Today I'd like to continue our meditation on the fruits of the Spirit coming from Galatians 5. We've already talked about love, joy, and peace. And the point that I really wanted to make in the beginning was that all of these fruits really come out of the idea of love, that God is love. And as we have his spirit, his spirit shines through us as love. And that these other fruits, plural so-called, are really aspects of love, like a diamond with multiple facets. And so it's really one thing, one fruit of the spirit. But as we unpack love and we discover that there's joy there and that there's peace there. And now today we want to talk about two other facets of love that I think are critical in the days and in the interesting days that we're facing. And that is uh, now we have love, joy, peace. Now we want to talk about patience and kindness. Now, here's two things that are obviously in short supply, right? I mean, the old joke is don't pray for patience, you know, because then God will give you these uh, terrible scenarios in your life where you have to respond patiently, and that would be awful. Um, but I've got bad news for you. You don't have to pray for these terrible scenarios. Uh, the world has them all lined up for us, uh, whether we pray for them or not. No, I think that as uh, God begins to work in our lives and uh, manifest his spirit in us, uh, patience, uh, we need to relate that directly back to love. We need to, to and, and really connect it to the other fruit of the spirit where we, where we think about joy, we think about peace. How are you going to have peace without patience? That's just not even a thing, right? Because if you're impatient, that's like the absence of peace. And while we rarely think of it this way, it's also the absence of love. We're failing to trust in the Lord when we act impatiently. Impatience is the reaction to the world that I have when I want something and I'm not getting it. You know, this idea that somehow I need to grasp, I need to strive, I need to work towards something that I don't have, that I must have in order to be happy or fulfilled or have that sense of joy and peace. And I'm not going to get that joy and peace until I grab that thing that I want that I can't have that seems to be just out of reach. And I'm impatient. You know, we are impatiently waiting in line somewhere. And we're thinking, man, if I wasn't waiting in line here, I could be doing something, what, much, much more important? Because the things that I do are just so significant that, you know, the world would just turn a little better if uh, I wasn't standing in line. Yeah, it's, it's so egocentric, isn't it? It's so all about me. This concept of patience versus me, you know, and, uh, and, and whenever you put it that way, we go, yeah, yeah, okay, I know, I know, it's not about me. Yes, yes, I know it's all about God. His, his throne, his kingdom is enduring whether or not uh, I'm accomplishing anything or not. And yet, it's so difficult for us uh, to sit back and wait on the Lord to wait for him to move, 
to know that I'm standing in the line in the grocery store and this person in front of me as usual is the person of all the lines that has this problem and now I'm stuck waiting an extra what two minutes five minutes ten minutes is that really that significant in the whole history of the world can I not wait and what about this situation that we're in here uh, with the global pandemic and here I've been waiting in exile from my country for three months now and yet the kingdom of God has gone on in my country without me. Um, seemingly uh, not needing me to push it forward. Uh, and the Lord has continued to work in my life anyway. You know, in spite of my impatience to get back or my impatience to uh, see something accomplished, yet the Lord is on his throne and the Lord is working. I think when I think about patience, and it really does go together with kindness, and we'll get there here in a minute, but to stick with patience just a bit more, patience is the, the confidence that we have to wait on the Lord and to know that as, as he designs things to come into our lives, they will come. Things will happen in his time, in his way. We don't have to push. We don't have to strive. We don't have to grasp. It's not all about us. And it's not, oh, if I don't move now, then it won't happen. And all will be lost. You know, I think there is an opportunity for us to move in obedience in his time. Uh, we mustn't miss the opportunities that he gives us to serve others, to do and to perform and to to use our talents and our abilities and to uh, go out and accomplish great things for God, as, uh, as has been said. And yet, we do those things in his timing and we're, and we're not impatient waiting on his timing. If that wonderful thing that he's given me to do has to wait until tomorrow, I'm okay with that. Or am I okay with that? That's the question, isn't it? Are we going to be impatient about the things, the good things that the Lord has for us? Or can we wait? And this is such an important idea because why is it so important? Because it has to do with our faith in our Father. Is he good? Does he have good for us? Is he powerful? Will he make the event, the thing, the opportunity happen in our lives in his timing? Or do I have to strive without him, knowing that he's working against me, knowing that he's not going to give me that good thing unless I make it happen? And this kind of faithlessness uh, never leads to anything good. It always leads to strife, to lack of peace, to a loss of joy, because it's not loving. When we love our Heavenly Father and we love those who are around us, we can wait patiently knowing that he's at work in our lives and the lives of others. And uh, that brings me to kindness. Uh, because kindness is not an unlike idea. We are, we are prone to act in a way that's not kind. Um, to think the worst about others, to judge others, to oppress others. 
when we believe we're not going to get our way, when, when we believe that our way is the right way, of course it is, and we have to strive for it, we have to push for it. And these people are standing in our way, and that's wrong, and they're wrong. And they need to be corrected harshly. And we need to push them out of our way. And we need to be unkind and unthoughtful. To, to be thoughtless around God's children, about the, around those whom he created, is to be thoughtless about God himself. And Matthew 25 makes that abundantly clear to us as Jesus gives the parable of the sheep and the goats. When he tells the 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 sheep on the right hand you know those times when you fed uh, others and loved others and visited others in prison etc etc you did it to me and then to the goats on the left he said you know those times where you were thoughtless you didn't feed others you didn't do all these things for others you didn't do them to me and we have to take that really seriously because the parable of the sheep and the goats is uh, shocking in its contrast to some people's understanding of faith in that the sheep and the goats are divided on based on what they did and didn't do. And, and how does that jive with the understanding that it's, it's, our, it's by faith that you've been saved? Well, because faith is isn't just a, a, a feeling down deep in your heart that you hold tight that, ooh, God is my co-pilot. I just love Jesus. It's, it's, it's I love Jesus and based on that love for Jesus, now I have a love for others. And that love is um, manifested in patience and it's manifested in kindness. Now we can be kind to others, but they don't deserve it. Of course they don't deserve it. And the more they don't deserve it, the more credit it is to you. The, the, more, the more like your father you have become in that you're this gift of the spirit, this, this fruit of the spirit rather, that's working in your life, that's making you to become more and more like him. Now you can be kind to those who are not kind to you. I think about this. One of the things that really holds us back as I think about it is, is, is this idea that kindness is not going to get us where we want to go. That God's kingdom is coming to this world. This world is opposing that kingdom. The enemy is at work and Satan is not nice, right? And the people who are in his grip are not nice people and they are doing angry, offensive things, terrible, terrible things are happening on this, in this world, all around us. And as we approach that, we're like, well, we've got to push back. We can't allow this to happen. And in that grasping and in that striving is a fundamental lack of faith that the, that the spirit of God is enough to take on the enemy is enough to attack the enemy and defeat the enemy. Jesus proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that the way of self-sacrifice and the way of the cross is the way of conquering, is the way of beating the enemy. Fighting fire with fire 
just gets us all burned. No, when the enemy is there and angry and forceful and aggressive and going after the weak and persecuting those who are righteous, and as we see the enemy around the world destroying people whom we love and peoples whom we love and holding in the grip, evil holding on with a tight grip those for whom Christ died. And we want to respond to that with anger and we want to respond to that with a sense of impatience and we want to respond to that with aggression. And that is, a, is an act of faithlessness because love and the fruit of the Spirit manifest itself in patience and kindness. So to come back with kindness, this and what is what is kindness? It's a it, it's an act of um, of generosity to others, where where we're we're uh, at peace and we're not grasping and we're not uh, forming our arguments in our head and trying to to attack them and, and undermine their position so that we can win the argument, so that we can win the battle. Uh, these, these acts are not kind to other people. And so kindness then uh, becomes, uh, I, I really liken it to patience because it's the ability to sit back and not attack your opponent as you're in this argument with him about God, about peace, about justice, about uh, the things of this world, as you're interacting with others, uh, you're going to want to uh, pull out your apologetics and you're going to want to attack that person and prove that he's wrong. And uh, he is wrong. But what's the way to prove that? Is it by marshalling these arguments and being very aggressive or is it by sitting back and waiting and being patient and kind, showing your love for this person with whom you're arguing or with whom you're in a discussion or whatever situation you're in? I think one of the best examples of this uh, is Mr. Rogers. Uh, a few years ago, uh, one of a clip of Mr. Rogers popped up on my YouTube and I was watching him with tears in my eyes. As I realized who he was, you know, I watched him as a kid. Um, I didn't have a lot of patience to sit and watch Mr. Rogers when I was a kid. Uh, he talked very slow, but I very much enjoyed his going off to uh, the land of make-believe and, and with the puppets. And when I was a kid, I enjoyed the make-believe land part. Uh, but Mr. Rogers talking kindly and slowly really wasn't my thing. Well, as a grown-up, I can appreciate so much more now who he was and how he accomplished. In the movie with Tom Hanks that recently came out about Mr. Rogers, it demonstrated that Mr. Rogers wasn't a character on TV. It's who he was. That he spoke slowly and kindly to everyone all the time. And as a result of that, his ministry, that of, of offering programming on public television that was um, uh, edifying to young people that he cared about so much uh, was a success. 
It wasn't through grasping. It wasn't through underhanded backroom deals. It wasn't through leverage and pushing and, and cajoling and insisting on his own way. He was kind. And in that kindness, he defeated his enemies. He got the funding that he needed for his program. And his program became more and more successful as he was able to reach out and touch children who uh, were hurting and, in, and needy. And in so many ways, he was always able to uh, reach through the hurt and the difficulties and all the experiences uh, that, that happen in this life. And he was able to uh, turn that around and bring love and grace and goodness to the situation. And, and I'm just, I'm so uh, uh, overawed by that. I, I will say that in my own life, I'm not always that kind. But when I am, <laughs> it has provided some of the most impactful and powerful moments in my ministry. When I can really sit back and in patience look to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm not going to insist on my own way here. I'm not going to grasp. I'm not going to strive. I'm waiting on you. What do you have? And I've just been able to hold in that moment and then react in kindness and grace to the people around me. Those moments have been some of the most special in my ministry. I remember a few years ago, I was at an end of project celebration. And as I was sitting there at the celebration, uh, the guys had prepared uh, various meat, um, broiled and roasted, and uh, it was all really delicious. And we had this picnic and it was so hot that day. It was over 100 degrees, but we were down by a river in the shade and uh, sitting there with about 15 guys uh, from the village that we had done this project in and a guest from a neighboring village was there school teacher an older man and as we got uh, one hour went by two hours went by we ate and then we ate some more and then we ate some more as you do at these kind of events and speeches were made about how we appreciated one another and how they appreciated the project and how we appreciated their hard work and um, and, and, and how they worked on the project to bring water to the village. And then we're always looking for an opportunity to share our faith. And so I had two of my national partners with me and one of them began to speak. And the school teacher from the other village, he was not having it. So he shut him down. And then the other national partner, uh, stepped up and said, well, you know, I, we don't have to talk about these things, but, and then he went ahead and, and began a short presentation about Jesus and, and how we follow him. And, and this school teacher was not having it and got quite heated and really shut that conversation down in a hurry. And there was a lot of tension. And so I thought, well, I'll step forward. And so, and, and relieve the tension. And so I stepped forward and I shared my testimony calmly as a, as a way of making peace in this situation. And then as, um, as I went on with my testimony and shared a short word about Jesus and kind of had diffused the situation and this guy went to pieces. 
<laughs> I was really shocked because I was speaking kindly and you could tell that everybody at the at the table there as we were sitting on the ground uh, was was all relaxed and they were all fine. But this guy went to pieces because he realized that my testimony was very powerful. That while if I quote from the Bible, he can simply say, and they can all simply say, well, we don't believe that. But if I give them my own testimony, this is a very powerful statement. They can't refute my testimony. It's my experience with Jesus. And they didn't like, and he in particular did not like that. He didn't like the fact that he didn't have an argument to it. And he didn't like the fact that I was actually speaking very carefully and very kindly and trying to be a peacemaker in this situation because it made him look like the aggressor. And so his response to that was to be the aggressor. And he just got more and more riled up. And he's sitting next to me and he says, man, I've just never known a person like this pointing at me. And he put his arm around me and he started talking. And I was quiet and I had a calm look on my face, very carefully placed on my face. So as not to betray the fact that actually I didn't know what was going to happen next. <laughs> and I was saying to the Lord, Lord, how do you want me to respond to this man who's so agitated? And he started into this speech about, about what he believed and about how we shouldn't believe the things we were believing. And, uh, and, and as he went on and on and on, uh, it just dragged on. And I, and, I, and I said, Lord, if you have something for me to say, it would be really great if you told me what it was. Um, but I was determined that I was going to be a peacemaker in this situation. I wasn't going to respond in anger. I wasn't going to respond with some debating technique. And I wasn't going to, um, uh, you know, have a big argument with this guy. You know, we had come to serve them. And so I was going to just serve them. And, and we had served them by helping them get water. And now we were going to serve them by helping them get the truth. But I wasn't going to take charge or push back or assert my rights. Uh, I wanted to sit back and wait on the Lord. And I was just praying so hard as he was speaking on and on that, Lord, give me the right thing at the right time. And I had and I just waited patiently serenely even as I sat there and and didn't show any emotion or any concern with the fact that he was so agitated and as he finally began to wind down he told me he said you cannot say that Jesus is the son of God please don't say that and I just looked at him calmly and said well then who's his father because, of course, they believe, as we believe, that uh, Mary was a virgin and that God actually caused the pregnancy. And so he had no response. He says, well, God knows. God knows who the father is. And I said, well, yeah, God knows because he's the father. And everybody kind of laughed. But I didn't push the point any further. And eventually we prayed this guy got up and left, but everybody else stayed. And after they stayed, our two guys began to share their faith again. And this time, 
everybody was leaning forward and listening and asking questions and they wanted to know more about Jesus. And, and, and probably about 12 guys stayed around for another two hours. I was really hoping it was time to go home. It had been a long day down by the river and we'd eaten a lot of meat. I was ready for a nap. But we stayed another two hours sharing. And that event happened. And those guys heard the truth that day because I was kind. Well, <laughs> you understand, of course, not because I was kind, but because the spirit in me was kind. And I let him rule that day. I don't let him rule every day. But because I was kind and gracious and, and, and able to wait on the Lord, this tremendous opportunity to share much more than we would have otherwise been able to share came about. And it was a lesson to me, and Mr. Rogers is always a lesson to me, that when we wait and when we treat each other with kindness and graciousness, instead of grasping and pushing and yelling, the power of God, the power of the cross is made manifest and the kingdom comes. Because it's not about bringing our kingdom in our power but it's about bringing the kingdom of God into a chaotic world that's opposed to him and letting his kingdom reign. And that kingdom has a spirit and that spirit has fruit that looks like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And we'll talk about the following uh, gifts of the spirit as well. But for today, meditate on patience and kindness. And instead of those being such an overwhelming challenge, let us trust in the Spirit of God to work in you today.